Welcome to Make Me Your Voice with Pastor David Bartowell. These messages are intended to deepen your faith and trust in a living God who speaks to us with hope and reason. Today's message comes to us from the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. People need to hear about hope. And one of the most hopeful things that we can know is our hope in Jesus Christ that's sealed by the Spirit of God or the Spirit of Christ. And what does that mean? And how does that assure our salvation? Well, you probably heard of the saying, signed, sealed, delivered. In fact, I think Stevie Wonder did a song, signed, sealed, delivered, I'm yours. Remember that one? Well, where did that come from? In the 19th century, it came into existence to describe a legal transaction that was completed, in particular, a sale of a house with regard to the deed. And in order for it to be a valid transaction, it had to be signed, sealed with a wax seal, and delivered to the new owner. In the Bible, the seal is a symbol of ownership, and we have been delivered to our new owner, who's God. The book of Revelation, when you go all the way to the end of the story, we see the sealing. There's two distinct sealings. There's the seal of God on the foreheads of the 144,000 Jewish believers that come to faith during the Great Tribulation. But we also see another seal. It's a mark. It's the mark of the beast. So there's two seals. There's the seal of the beast or Satan incarnate, and there's the seal of Christ. And the question is, to whom do you belong? And I hope it's to Christ, because there's only two options. You either belong to Christ, which means you're not of the world, or you belong to the devil and means that you are of the world. Being sealed by God's Spirit is legal. It's a legal binding transaction that guarantees our current ownership, and our future ownership, and our future deliverance. So we are actually signed with the blood of Christ, sealed by the Spirit, and delivered to heaven. I'm in part five of our sermon series, hashtag not of this world, to remind us, the hashtags remind us that we're in the world, but we're not of the world. Today we're going to talk about sealed, with the Spirit. The sermon is based on Jesus's prayer in John 17, where he speaks of us, the church, that they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. So if you're sealed with the Spirit of Christ, you no longer are of this world. You've been delivered to a new world, heaven, the kingdom of God. I am not of the world because I'm sealed with God's Spirit. I'm not of the world because I'm sealed with God's Spirit. If you remember last week, I spoke about being born again or from above. That's a spiritual rebirth. It's a second birth. It's one of water, which is the cleansing, and of spirit, which is newness. And this happens when someone places their faith in Jesus Christ and trusts Him for their salvation. They become a child of God. At that moment, everything changes. You are renewed in the Spirit of God and by the Spirit of God. And this includes the sealing by the Spirit, the calling of God. He's the one that initiates the sealing and the salvation. 
of the person. Once someone puts their faith in Christ, they are regenerated or born again and union with Christ. That is the sealing of the Spirit. You know, when someone says, I asked Jesus to come into my heart, well, at that moment, because of your faith, when Jesus comes in your heart, it's the Spirit of Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit, and you are sealed, and everything happens at once. You're converted, you're justified, you're adopted, you're sanctified, you're glorified, and you're assured of your salvation. Salvation is not a process. Everything happens at once. Because if it didn't, then how would you know if you were saved? But in order to be saved, God has to call you. And the Bible says that he chose us before the foundation of the world. He's just waiting for you to say yes. And he calls you. And at that moment, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit and born again. You become a new person, the Bible says. And a lot of people walk around like, oh, what happened to me? Well, that's what happened to you. Okay, now Ephesians 1.13 is the key verse that describes how and what happens. Paul writes to the Ephesian church, he said, In him you also, after hearing the word of truth, so you have to hear the gospel of your salvation. In him, after believing, you have to believe you were sealed with or by the promised Holy Spirit. It could be with or by. Which one is it? It's both. The Spirit is the content by which we are sealed, which is the sealant, but he's also the sealer. And how do we know this? Because later in Ephesians, Paul clarifies. He says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So we are sealed with and by. The Spirit is both the sealer and the sealant. And you know when you seal something up, like I had to seal up a pipe that was leaking, you hope it doesn't leak? Well, we don't leak. The Holy Spirit doesn't leak out of us. The Holy Spirit is in us. Now, we can choose to be filled. In other words, we can trust in God and live accordingly and walk by the Spirit, but you don't have any less of God. There's no Christian who has more of God. Every Christian has the same God. Now, God does certain things through certain people, but that doesn't make mean if you have less, like the Holy Spirit leaked out of you. Listen to this. Ephesians 4.30, again, do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed. Now, each person in the Trinity has specific responsibilities. And what I love about this passage in Ephesians, it has the Father, what the Father does, the Son does, and what the Holy Spirit does. And we'll go through that in a minute. But each person in the Trinity, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, has specific responsibilities according to his mission. When you read the Bible, you'll notice that the Son and the Spirit work hand in hand. So when Jesus does something, when he does the work, because he does the work, he left his place in heaven, he came and lived a life he couldn't live, he died on a cross, he rose from dead. All that is called the work of Christ for our benefit. Guess what happens? The Holy Spirit steals the deal for what Jesus did. So it's a hand-in-hand working together by the Son and the Holy Spirit, initiated by the Father. Once this happens, once you are saved and you have union with Christ, or you become one with Christ, you are transferred to another kingdom. Colossians 1.13, read it with me. 
He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. So what's happened? You've been signed, sealed, delivered from the kingdom of darkness and transferred to the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God. You are no longer a child of the devil. You are a child of God, and that's why you are not of the world. Next, the sealing is a sign of ownership. So you're sealed by the Spirit of God, which is a sign of ownership. You now belong to God, and no one or nothing can take you away and separate you from Him. If we look at Revelation, I mentioned it a little earlier, Revelation chapter 7, we're in the Great Tribulation at this point. It's a seven-year period at the end of the world. We're closer today than we ever have been. Revelation 7.4 says, And I heard the number, so John the Apostle is having a revelation. He heard the number of sealed, and it's the same word. I heard the number of the sealed, 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. Who are sealed? These are the 12,000 from each tribe, of all the 12 tribes, that's 144,000 Israelites, okay, that are sealed during the Great Tribulation. For what purpose? To be his witness on the world. Because the church is already with God. The church has been raptured. And so God seals, but it's a different sealing. Whereas we're sealed internally by the Holy Spirit, we now are his possession. This sealing is done on the foreheads. That's an interesting thing, because it's in contrast with the mark of the beast or the seal of the beast. Because in Revelation 13, which is later, it says the beast forced, and the beast, by the way, is Satan incarnate. It's the Antichrist, the world leader, the abomination of desolation. There are different names for him. He forced all the people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark or a stamp on their right hands or on their foreheads. See, Satan is a counterfeit. He tries to do what God does, but it's a counterfeit. What's happening here in the Great Tribulation, there's a contrast between those who are sealed by God and belong to him, and God protects these 144,000 as they witness to the unbelieving world. And there's a seal or a stamp or a mark on the foreheads of those who worship and are children of the devil. There's lots of speculation about, you know, and conspiracies about the mark of the beast. What is it? Where is it? How does it happen? I've been hearing people even today say that they think that the COVID vaccine, you know, that's coming up is a mark. Interestingly, COVID, which stands for coronavirus disease, it's been changed by some people. They're trying to make it mean certificate of vaccine ID. I'm not necessarily buying that one, okay? But there's all these conspiracies and all these thoughts. Some believe it's some kind of chip that's inserted in the body. This makes more sense to me because it's already in process and being used and created. But the point is this, whoever this beast is, which is Satan incarnate that's ruling the world in the last days, is a world leader who will force people to take this mark, these people who are left on the world, 
because they didn't believe when they had a chance. Now they have another chance. They are forced to take some type of seal mark, which now they belong to the devil. So here's what's important to me. Don't wait to be sealed by God. If God's speaking to you, you need to invite him into your heart so that you can be one with Christ by faith in him. Then you don't have to worry about all this stuff that's going to happen in the future. We should be the most hopeful people. If someone is sealed by the Spirit of God, then we don't have to worry about being sealed or stamped by the devil because the Bible is very clear that nothing can separate us from him. And Jesus even said, no one can snatch us from his hand. So once we're sealed, we belong to him and nothing's going to separate that. I believe that the church will be raptured before the last seven years, the Great Tribulation, which is the wrath of God upon the earth, which begins in Revelation chapter 6. I believe that in chapter 4 is a picture when Jesus calls John up and says, come up here. I believe that's before the Great Tribulation period. That's when the church is raptured. But either case, whether you believe that or not, At some point, God's wrath is going to be poured out on this world, and you don't want to be worrying about, am I going to have to take a mark of the beast? You want to be with Jesus, okay? And here's the other point. You should never give your allegiance to anything or anyone above Jesus. You belong to him. We belong to him. Looking back at the Old Testament, we can see that this ceiling represented ownership because God sealed the Levitical priests onto himself. Look at Exodus 28, 36. God's telling Moses, make a plate of pure gold and engrave on it as on a seal, holy to the Lord. And guess what? That's what happens to us. That seal, the Holy Spirit, seals us holy to the Lord. And we become priests who serve God because we belong to him now. We don't serve the devil. We don't serve anyone above Christ. And in 1 Peter 2.9, we see that in the New Testament, speaking of the church, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness So like the priests were to be a witness to the world and those 144,000 to be a witness, we are to be a witness because we are holy to the Lord. And here's the thing, we don't have to worry about. If you're sealed by the Spirit of God, the Bible's very clear. After you heard the message and the gospel of salvation and you believed, you were sealed. So stop living like you think you're not. Okay? We shouldn't be fearful. We should be faithful. During this time, don't lose sight of who you are in Christ. You belong to him. You're a special possession. He gave you his spirit. He gave you himself. Does the spirit ever die of God? No. So we won't die. Yes, we'll die physically, unless Jesus comes and raptures us before, which would be beautiful. But we won't die spiritually because the Spirit of God lives in us. We're holy to the Lord. Next, the ceiling is already slash not yet. Already not yet. 
If you don't understand the already not yet of God's revelation, his word regarding his kingdom, you're not going to understand what's happening. Think of the already not yet as like a timetable that's moving forward and will be culminated at a certain point. Eschatology is the doctrine or the study of the end times or the last things. So this is kind of like an eschatological timetable. It's moving forward to a time of culmination and consummation at some time in the future. When Jesus came in Mark 1.15, he said, Behold, the kingdom of God is at hand or near. Why was the kingdom of God near? Because Jesus is the personification of the kingdom of God. And he's saying, I'm here. And he inaugurated the kingdom of God on earth. And the church is that expression. But Jesus had to go to the cross. Because if he didn't go to the cross and die for a sin, we could never be sealed. We could never have forgiveness. If he didn't rise from the dead, we'd stay dead. If he didn't ascend to heaven, we would never receive the spirit of God. And we live currently in what's called the church age, which is the union with Christ as believers. And one day there's going to be a second coming of Christ and then the kingdom reign for eternity. That's all future stuff. We live currently in the church age, which we have union with Christ, but everything is not consummated yet. Think of this, even though there's an arrow in the future of what's going to happen in consummation, also the arrow points back because it's already happened. And that's where it gets a little confusing. How could it already happen and not happen? If you really think about it, there's certain things that have happened already, right? We have salvation, which is union with Christ. We have forgiveness of sins. We have redemption. We have justification. We have sanctification. And we have righteousness. All those things have happened. We have access to God. And we have Satan's work destroyed at the cross. Because Jesus conquered death and sin. But how about in the future? Well, in the future, we're going to reign with Christ on the earth. There's going to be a new heaven and new earth. Israel is going to be restored and redeemed, as we see in Revelation 7. That's the process that's beginning. There's going to be eternal judgment for the unbeliever, and Satan will finally be destroyed forever. But also, what's happening is there's going to be a future redemption of the body, because we have received the Holy Spirit, but we still have an old body. So all these things are moving forward to the redemption of our body, That's why Paul wrote, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. He is a deposit who guarantees our inheritance until, and here's the not yet, redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. And what he's speaking of is a redemption of the body, like Christ, a new glorified body. We will have that as well. Now, what does it mean deposit? The Holy Spirit is a deposit. Well, what is a deposit? Well, it's a promise, right? I mean, you give a deposit, you're going to put down a down payment for a future full payment, right? But it's not only a promise, it's a realization. George Ladd writes this, it is both deposited money that promises the full payment in the future and gives a partial payment in the present. Well, we're used to that. When you buy a house, you put a deposit or your down payment. You sign a contract that you're going to pay that in the full. Now, 
we, because we're sinners, sometimes don't live up to our promise. But does God ever not live up to his promise? No. He gives us a deposit, which is the Holy Spirit, which is a down payment, for a future full payment, which is the redemption of our bodies and eternity in heaven with Christ. It's a done deal. We're just waiting for the eschatological timetable to play out. So the Spirit sealing seals the deal. It's a done deal. With all that said, I want to read through Ephesians 1 because I want you to see how incredible God is. So Paul writes to Ephesians, Ephesians 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints, the church, who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that's the intro. But look what Paul does. He goes through an incredible dissertation and doctrine of the Trinity. He starts off, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. He, God, the Father, chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless before Him. Think about that. God, our Father, the one true God, the holy God, nobody is above Him, chose you to be on His team. Chose you before He made the world. He knew you, He made you, and He chose you to be in His family. That is amazing. Why? Because he loves you. He says, in love. What else did he do? He predestined you to be adopted as a son through Jesus Christ. So being a son, you receive the inheritance of Christ according to the kind intention of his will. It's nothing we did. It's because he's kind and he's loving. Verse 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved Christ. So that's the Father. The Father didn't have to do any of that. The Father chose to do that because he loves you and he's kind to you and he offers grace to you. And then verse 7. Now, he switches to Jesus Christ, the Son of God, in him. We have redemption through his blood. Whose blood? Jesus Christ, who came and was incarnate of a human body and gave his life, his life blood, so that you could have this gift, which is the gift, the forgiveness of your sins. Why in the world are we walking around like we're not forgiven? God has forgiven you. Jesus died on the cross for you. It took a lot of work. Why? According to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on you. In all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of God's will according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him with a view to the administration suitable to the fullness of time, because God waited for a certain time to do this with Christ, 
things in the heavens and things on the earth, in Him, Christ, we have obtained an inheritance. Why? Because we are sons. We've been adopted into the family of God. Having been predestined according to God's purpose, who works all things out for His will, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ, so he's speaking to the church at Ephesus, in particular the Jews, because how was the church formed? From Jewish believers, okay? So he says, to the end that which were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. It's for God's praise, not us. Then verse 13, in Christ, you also, now who is he speaking about? Gentile believers, us. Anyone who's not Jewish and not a Jewish believer, but a Gentile believer. After listening to the message of truth, the gospel, so you had to hear it. Someone had to tell you, like with me, someone kept saying, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. And it finally sunk in. After listening to the message, the gospel of your salvation, and after believing, and that faith is a gift from God, because he opened my eyes to give me the faith to believe, what happened? You were sealed in Christ with the Holy Spirit of promise, which was promised from the Old Testament. See, when Christ showed up on the scene, it was the fullness of time, Galatians says. God chose that time to send Jesus to the earth to die for our sins so that we could come back into his family, who is given as a pledge or a deposit of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's possession for his praise, for his glory. There's no one in heaven who's saying, look what I did. They're all looking to Jesus saying, look what he did. Do you get this? That's what happened to you. That's what happened to me. And hopefully, if that's not what happened to you, you're going to allow that to happen to you by placing your faith in Christ. In Ephesians, just a quick overview. Paul goes on then. He writes in chapter 2, and we're going to talk more about this next week. You were dead. Dead people can't do anything. God did it. He opened your eyes. You were dead but God made us alive and seated us with him in heaven. And that's what we're going to talk about next week. Not of the world, seated with Christ. We're going to talk about that. And then in the end of Ephesians, that's why Paul says that because of this, because of what's happened to you, live like that. Walk like that. Walk in a manner, he says, worthy of your calling. Remember, God is the one that called you. If he didn't call your name, you'd be dead. So remember that. Before the foundation of the world, God knew and chose you. And he just was waiting for you to answer yes. And maybe he's still waiting. And so that's why Paul says in Ephesians 4.30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gets grieved when we're not walking, when we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to uh, be in control of our life. So the Holy Spirit grieves, and he says, why? Because he's the one living in you, and he's the one who sealed you for the day of redemption. Oh, I look forward to the day that this body is redeemed. Because right now, 
I'm living in the already because I have received Jesus Christ by faith. He lives inside of me. Jesus Christ lives in my heart. I hear some people say, when someone who they love dies, they say, you know, they're always in my heart. Well, Jesus is in my heart. By faith, Jesus is in your heart. How is he in your heart? By his spirit. The problem right now is how Paul talks about, why do I do the things I don't want to do? Well, this sinful body still wants to try and take you down. And guess who else wants to try and take you down? The devil, who will try and get a foothold into your life if you're not constantly aware of what's going on inside and around you as a Christian. We have to be aware. We have to have ears and eyes to see the reality of what's going on out there. So I'm not of the world. I'm of the word. I always end with giving wordy advice, not worldly, wordy. Here's what the advice is for today. Live like the deal is sealed. Because if it's sealed and you are stamped by God, nothing can separate you from him. When you put a stamp on a letter, the hope is it's going to end up where it's supposed to go. Well, we don't have to worry about God. When he stamps us, we're going there. Jesus said, no one can snatch you out of my hand and no one can snatch you out of my Father's hand. That's the assurance we have in Christ and salvation. So we need to start living like the deal is sealed. We need to be hopeful, not hopeless. We need to be faithful, not fearful. We need to worship, not worry. We need to live on the outside according to what happened on the inside. We need to live like we're alive. And we need to have our eyes in heaven for Jesus' return because at any moment he can come back and take us to be with him. But also at any moment, some people might be left behind. As God left that 144,000 and called them to be his witnesses, guess what? Why are we on this earth? To be his witnesses. To share the love and the hope that we have in Christ. The psalmist says, where am I to go from your spirit? Or where do I go from your spirit? And the answer is nowhere. Where can I go? There's nowhere your spirit is not because if he's in me, how can I get away from him? So we should be grateful. And we should try not to grieve the Holy Spirit by trying to, you know, make things about us. God did everything. And by grace, he opened our eyes to believe. And by grace, he sealed you with his spirit for the future day of your redemption. So we need to live like the deal is sealed. Let's pray. Hopefully you have received the promised Holy Spirit by faith in Christ. If not, do that right now. And you can say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I believe in you. I want to be that new person. I want to be a person who is sealed and stamped by your Spirit. So Jesus, come into my heart by your Spirit. Thank you for dying for my sins so that I can have an eternal life with God. And thank you for rising from the dead so I don't have to stay dead. 
And I don't know how all this works out necessarily or what the timetable is, but there is a timetable, Lord, and I believe and trust you that you know the fullness of time better than I do. And right now as we're waiting, may we be hopeful and may we be faithful and may we serve you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor David Bartowell's message reminds us that God speaks to us with hope and reason so that we can be His voice in this world. Please join us again for Make Me Your Voice, a ministry of the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. We would love to have you join us for a Sunday service. For more information or to find our location, please visit thegatecbc.com. Make me-